Thank you for joining us on the Waymaker Church podcast today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and makes a way for the new and deeper with Jesus Christ in your life. Enjoy. Hey, I want to talk about something today, and I believe the resurrection of Jesus collides with this and resolves this. We live in the mythology in a culture that perpetuates the myth of no regrets. And maybe you've seen it on the back of somebody's giant Dodge Ram truck, you know, no regrets, (laughs) right? Or or maybe it's a t-shirt, you know, just very subtle, no regrets. Or maybe you have that third cousin that you're getting ready to have Easter dinner with that has the tattoo, no regrets in Hebrew, okay? So, so you, you, you get it, you understand it. And, and what are we really saying as, as a people, as a culture is that, yeah, I've made some really bad decisions in my life and they've hurt me and they've hurt other people, but I am going to pretend like there's no residue on my soul. I'm gonna pretend like that doesn't really take occupation in my mind and my heart. I'm just gonna keep pushing it away and just saying, no regrets, no regrets. I'm gonna live my life with no regrets. When the reality is we know that our soul is not wired for no regrets. You see, regrets actually do get into our heart and our soul. And they say, hey, something's not quite right. Something's not Something has gone afoul in your heart and your soul. And and so regrets are there to do something. And I want us to look at how Jesus raising from the dead, that he is alive today, is actually gonna collide with this idea of regret to turn regret into repentance and repentance into redemption and redemption into mission. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. So Mark chapter 14, if you're there, uh, I'm gonna give you a little bit of uh, context. Uh, Mark chapter 14, the last supper has already happened. For those of you who are familiar with the gospels, the last supper has happened. Jesus takes the Passover meal and he transforms it into what we know as the Lord's Supper. And some of you today are gonna participate in the Lord's Supper during our response time. You're gonna go and you're going to to take the the, the bread and the wine that, that represent the body and the blood of Christ. All of that goes back to the Last Supper, which is now the Lord's Supper. That has just happened. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He has told his disciples that one of them is going to betray. All of them are like, who, who, not me, not, not me. And then, and then finally they, they see Judas walk out. And so they're like, okay, I guess we gotta figure that out, right? And so now we don't know exactly when this conversation happens, but, but it might've happened right when they left the, the, the upper or that, that last supper room and, and they're heading towards the garden of Gethsemane. And maybe this exchange happens then, but, but Jesus says, because they're probably all judging Judas at this point, they're all probably saying, yeah, I knew it was Judas. You know, I knew it was him. And I, I didn't think it was you. And, you know, I didn't think it was you either. But now we know who it is. And I kind of figured it was him. I wasn't going to say anything. What does Jesus do? He, he may have overheard this and he has a conversation. He says, you will fall away, Jesus said. Jesus told them. You, you guys. You guys will fall away. For it is written, and Jesus quotes the prophecy of Isaiah. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So Jesus prophesies in that very moment as the disciples are probably all pointing the finger back at Judas and saying, hey, I knew it was me. He's saying, hey, by the way, just so you know, you guys, you guys will fall away. 
Man, not real encouraging, is it? What, what happens next? It says in, in verse 28, but after I have risen, hmm, but after I have risen, after you have fallen away, after all of the shame and the regret of falling away, after I, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. What, what, what's going on here? And this is big. If you like to take notes, here's a, here's a good note to take right now. Jesus predicts his disciples will be ashamed, afraid, and fall away. He predicts that. Some of you are going to be ashamed to have even associated with me or ever known. Some of you are going to be afraid of the dangers that is involved with being associated. And some of you are just going to fall away. We're not even going to know where you are before his crucifixion. He says, all that's going to happen before my crucifixion. But his resurrection will invite them back. And, and you gotta hang on to that, and I gotta hang on to that, because this is big, because remember, remember, we're going to go through this life with regrets. And, and, and yet, what does the resurrection do? Now, watch this, Peter declares something. Now, now Peter is the, the boisterous one, he's the, he's the type A personality, or the, the eight on the Enneagram, if you're one of those. Peter declared, even if all fall away, these guys, these bums, yeah, they're going to fall away. I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself, Peter, you yourself will disown me three times. Not once, not twice, three times you will disown me. Peter insisted, no, 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 no. He insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, so he's doubling down. He says, Jesus, I know you just quoted the prophet Isaiah. I know you just sort of brought us all in and said, hey, before you, before you think that you're better than and you start judging each other and Judas, just so you know, you guys are gonna run. In fact, it's predicted in, in the prophet. And Peter's like, no, not me. Jesus says, no, it is you. Jesus, or Peter doubles down. He says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then guess what happens? And all the others said the same thing. They, they're all high-fiving Peter. Us too, us too, us too. We're with you, Jesus. And then what happens? They go to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus says, would you stay up and pray with me? And guess what they do? They all fall asleep, right? Here's what we gotta see. And this is, this is big. If you're a note taker, take this down. Pride, which is in all of us, pride tricks us to believe our souls are ready to win any temptation or tribulation. I have what it takes. I have what it takes. No matter the temptation, no matter the tribulation, I have what it takes. Oh, Jesus, let me just be honest with you. You, you, you can say that to everybody else. You can say that everybody else might lose their way and, and they might, you know, trip and fall over these things, but not me, Jesus, not me. That's what pride does. It, it, it convinces us that our souls are ready to win any temptation or tribulation. And so what happens? We know what happens if you follow along in the gospel. It says in verse 70 that Peter was accused once and twice of knowing Jesus. And it says, after a little while, those standing near, standing near said to Peter, surely you are the one, you're one of them for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Remember Peter just hours before. Peter, who's on the outskirts of the arrest and the torture of Jesus is now saying, I don't know who he is. Immediately it says in the next verse, 
the rooster crowed. The rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered, right in that moment, then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And this is big because I think we've all been here before. And maybe some of you are sitting in this right now. And he broke down and wept. Translation, he was heavy with regret. He was heavy with regret. He thought that his soul could take on any tribulation and any temptation. And yet when the very one that he said he was going to die defending came, he folded. He ran away. Heavy regrets, what do they do? Heavy regrets weigh us down when we lose faith in convictions, when we lose faith in convictions. There's something in all of us, even if you don't believe in Jesus, and if you don't, I'm glad that you're here today because I think you're gonna see something. And I think God has an assignment for you. I think you're here for a reason today. But, but, but you know, and I think everybody knows that, that there are these certain things that we, we say, I'm gonna live by this faith. I'm gonna live by this conviction. And what happens, the pressure of life and the, and, and the hardships of life and the regrets of life fall on us and they weigh heavy on us. We all wrestle with regrets. And I'm not talking about, should I have a taco at 10.30 at night in the Taco Bell drive-through? <laughs> Listen, we've all had that regret. Some of you had that regret last night, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about some really heavy regrets. Daniel Pink, who is a researcher and a writer, he, he did research actually on human regret. And he says, there's four major categories of human regret. And I wanna talk about them because these are the heavy regrets I'm talking about. The first one's foundational regrets. If only I had done the work. If only I had done the work. This is, this is that regret where it's like in your 20s and 30s, you were like, you had a credit card and you're like, pizza for everybody. And you, and you, and you, and right? And, and you're you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he's like, oh man, if I just would have been disciplined, if I just would have done the work. Or, or, or maybe you get in your 60s and 70s and, and it's, it's almost too late to start taking your health seriously. And, and you think, man, if I, just, if I had just walked every day, if I had just really taken into account what I'm eating, right? It's like, you, you get to this place where it's like, if I had just done the work, those are foundational regrets. Then there's boldness regrets, right? There's boldness regrets. If only I had taken the chance, there you are on the train going into the city and she's sitting across from you reading Charles Dickens. And she looks at you and you look at her and you see your whole life before each other and you know what's happening in that moment. And you think, if I just tell her, if I just tell her I love her, then we can get married. And what happens? The train stops in Brooklyn and she gets out. And for 10 years, 20 years, you think, if I just had taken the chance, but you didn't. And you know what those are. If I had just not been afraid, if I had not been scared, if I had just taken the chance. Then there's moral regrets and man, man, don't these follow us? If I had only done the right thing, I knew what was right. I knew what I should do. I knew what I shouldn't do. It was the right thing. 
and I didn't do it. Instead, I fell into temptation. Instead, I crumbled under the tribulation. Instead, I walked out of my faith and I walked out of my conviction. And right now even, right now your soul is heavy with regret because you know, you know, you didn't do the right thing. Connection regret. If only I had reached out, if only I had reached out to my estranged father. We were in this season, we hadn't spoken in three years. And I thought, I'll get to that. He'll, he'll call me and say, he's sorry, but I'm not gonna, and, and, and back and forth you went. And, and then all of a sudden you show up at his funeral and you think, man, if I had just not been so proud and just reached out to him, I wouldn't be right here in this moment with such regret. You know, I, I, have, I have all of these regrets. That, that there's not one of these that, that, that I haven't been through. In fact, connection regrets, I, I came face to face with that recently. My, my mom and I have always had a, a relationship since I was in middle school because every, every boy who's trying to become a man just resents his mom. And if you didn't know, there you go, that's free, okay? And, and, and there was just this thing and it, it, we, we never could get out of this holding pattern. And we'd have this conversation, but it would always lead to more expectations and frustration from me or from her. And, and then I got in my twenties and I had kids and, and it just got it, 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 two steps forward, three back and three forward and, 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 a, and back. And, and then two years ago this month, she had a brain aneurysm. My dad calls me, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. And, and he says, hey, I don't think your mom's gonna make it. And I got on a plane and I flew there and I thought the whole time I was on the plane, man, there's this, this part of my mom that I've never known that I feel like I've always pushed away. And we've always had this connection that we've both longed for. We just didn't have the tools to get there. And here it is, my mom's gonna die and I'm not. Now, my mom was in the first service. She's a miracle, she's amazing. And, and for the last two years, she has not only recovered from this brain aneurysm, uh, but she is, she's stepping into some new challenges in her life and some new excitement in her life as a great grandmother. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But here's what happened. A couple months ago, we're, um, all of a sudden I find myself and she finds herself going through some of those old patterns again. It's like, what? What just happened? You know, I thought we were, I thought we, in, in a conversation we had, she said, you know, I feel like we just need to talk about this. I need to talk about this with a counselor. And I said, yes, let's do that. And so about three weeks ago, we went to a counselor together. And in that, in that 55 minutes, within 55 minutes, 50, that's not even an hour, okay? I'm not a math guy, but that's not an hour. 55 minutes. My mom starts to talk about her childhood and how she was raised and, and, and things that, and I won't go into the details of it, but all of a sudden I got a window into my mom's heart and a window into my mom's life that helped me understand some things that instead of pushing her away, I should have leaned into. And the same thing happened with her. I was able to voice some things. And in that 55 minutes, less than an hour, there was great healing and there was tools. And here's how I walked out. Wow, that just happened. I wish it had happened 15 years ago. That is the kind of regrets that sometimes we walk around in life with. I wonder 
if some of you can relate to any of these. You know, I have, I have to believe that there's a fifth category and this wasn't in Pink's research, but, but I'm just gonna put it on, on the, on, and that's the exchange regret. If only I had exchanged my regrets for Jesus's redemption. If only I had done that. And, and here's the thing, you can do that today. You can do that today. You know, April 11th, 1993, 17 years old, I was in a balcony in a church just showing up for Easter Sunday. Most of my life, especially as an adolescent, had been a foot and a half in the world and a half a foot in the church, living duplicitous, smoking around, drinking around, sleeping around, right? Walking through this hypocrisy, pushing God away and pulling him in only when I wanted. And there I was, 17 years old, and I was a wreck. I, I was filled with regrets. And what happens? The pastor gets up to give a simple message about the resurrection. He gives the gospel at the end. He says, I have to believe that someone today needs to step into this. And I was the only person. I walked down to that balcony, I walked down to the altar and I wept. And in that moment, I know Jesus said, I will take, I will exchange all of your regret that you have piled up in your heart at this moment in your life. I will exchange it for redemption. And I will give you not only that, but I'll give you a new mission in life. You will join me in building the family of heaven. And I've never been the same since. And I think some of you today are getting ready to have that moment. But you need to understand something and I need to understand something. And this is, this is the thing that we see in, in just two pages later. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples and he said to Peter, hey, you guys are gonna scatter. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be ashamed of me. You're gonna be afraid for your lives. You're gonna fall away. And, and Peter insists that he won't, but he does. And Mark records it. But he says, I will, after I'm crucified, I will raise from the dead and I'll meet you in Galilee, where it all started, right? I'll meet you there. And, and you know what, I have to think that when they heard that, they just kind of glossed past that because they couldn't, they couldn't get past their own pride that they could overcome the tribulation and the temptation that was about to, to happen. And so after the crucifixion, and after the resurrection, it says that these, these women were coming to the tomb to dress Jesus's body. And what happens? It says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. They were alarmed. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Who is this person? Next verse. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. Now I wanna stop right there for a second. Who was crucified? Jesus said that he must die. He must die for the sins of all humankind, past, present, and future, yours, mine, anyone who would believe. Jesus was crucified to take away sin, evil, and death from the human experience. No longer are we bullied by sin, evil, and death because Jesus took the wrath of God on him. He died. His body was broken. His blood was shed for you and me 
so that we could be right with God. We could be, because of him, what we cannot be on our own. None of us are good enough or smart enough or religious enough to be good enough to say, okay, God, I got my stuff together. No, Jesus, his perfect son, died on a cross. Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He, I want you to say this with me, okay? You see these words? We're gonna say these together. Just a second, just hold on, hold on. Now I want you to go ahead and get ready for it, okay? I want you to get ready for it. I want you to dig deep. Okay, this is, this is big, this is big. I mean, this is bigger than the Super Bowl. Okay, this is bigger than the Super Bowl, okay? Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified, crucified, dead, three days. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna count three and we're gonna say this together. One, two, three. He has risen. Woo, come on, y'all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my, my inner Ric Flair just came out, woo. Any of you who are over 40 know exactly who I'm talking about. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. See this right here. See, do you see? He's not here. He's not here. But go, and this is what I love, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter. Remember those guys, two chapters before? Jesus Judas bailed on you, not us. Peter says, you can count on me, even if these guys, you know what I'm saying? Even though, okay, prophecy of Isaiah, I get it, but not me. Go tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to where? Into Galilee. Remember that? Remember Galilee? Where is he going? Where does he invite them? He invites them to meet him after the resurrection in Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Here's the good news, y'all. This is big. You don't catch anything, catch this. Jesus's resurrection invites us to exchange all regrets, foundational regrets, connection regrets, moral regrets, boldness regrets, all regrets for full redemption through the gospel. Jesus's life, his death on a cross, his resurrection, his coming again. All of that gets redeemed in that. And I don't know about you, but if I were an emotional person, I would clap for that, but I'm not. So you're gonna have to do it for me. All regrets, all regrets. Yeah, but what about, what about that thing, that deep, dark thing that I don't want anybody to know about, that one. What about that season of my life that I keep trying to explain away and even get the tattoo, no regrets, but my soul won't let me forget? All regrets. What about me walking in here, cleaned up on the outside, but dying on the inside, desperate? All regrets. Jesus' resurrection. This is big, this is big. And I want you to get this. If you're, if you're taking notes, or take a picture of this. Jesus' resurrection transforms regret into repentance. Repentance, what does that mean? That means we have to say, I regret this. I have sinned. 
I have fallen away. And the moment we repent of that, Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection redeems it. Redemption. Regret into repentance, into redemption. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop by saying, okay, you're okay, we're good. He says, now I have a mission for you. I'm gonna take your story of redemption and I'm gonna use it to change the world. My story, your story. But what about that, that person's story too? But yours specifically. So nothing speaks about this better than a story, a story of someone here in our church. And so I've asked Travis and Nicole Brown to join me up here. Some of you know Travis and Nicole's story. Uh, years ago, they came to our church. Um, you've heard them share their testimony uh, from how they became followers of Jesus and how this church has changed a lot. Um, this week, Nicole was leading a prayer environment here on our campus, and her husband Travis spoke up and told this sequence in their testimony that I had never heard before. And I thought, wow, that is exactly where I think a lot of people are or have been. And so I've asked them to come and join me up here uh, to share their story. So you guys welcome Travis and Nicole Brown. Yeah, yes, all right. Come on up, guys. Come on up, thank you, sir, thank you, sir. Yes, all right, so we're gonna jump right into this. Um, tell us a little bit about for those of you who don't know your story, kind of how you guys, um, I would say, came to Waymaker Church, where your life was at that point. Yeah. Um, so at that point in our life, uh, 2014 is when we came here. Um, you know, we were really far from the Lord. Um, I didn't grow up my whole life um, involved in church, um, was definitely not following anything to do with religion or Jesus or anything like that. Um, Travis had grown up in the church um, and had experienced kind of a hurt, um, just a hurtful season and had walked away from that. Um, and then, yeah, 2014, we had somebody that was in our life that just began to introduce those conversations about Jesus yes. and, you know, eventually invited us here. Okay, and so just a little bit of the state of where you guys were. Uh, Travis, this was your second marriage. You had experienced a divorce. This was your third marriage. You had gone through um, a lot of heartache and uh, brokenness. And you guys get married in your collective brokenness. And something happens. And I want you to kind of talk through that because I think this is really pertinent to today. Yeah, so um, a couple years into our marriage, um, you know, things were, things between us were, were good. You know, we didn't, um, we didn't fight very much at all. Um, I went through just kind of a really hard season. Um, and at the time, what I believed was, you know, I was really young when I became a parent. And so I had kids really young and kind of had to grow up really quickly. And I think at the time, I just felt like there was um, there was this season that I missed out on yeah. um, of just kind of that 
carefree time and you know you don't have any responsibilities and you know you right. can kind of just live your life however you want and so there was just this um, aspect of like man I missed out on that and I believe that probably part of that was knowing like hey there is someone now who's just strong and stable in my life like I know my kids are mm -hmm. cared for and loved and just really walked through a season of just kind of living my life how I wanted to. Yeah. Um, just really selfishly and doing whatever I wanted. And you went wild. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah. 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 You I went mean, wild. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and there were there were a lot of different times that um, you know I had these moments where I knew that the choices that I was making were hurting Travis, and I knew that. Um, he was heartbroken over how I was like the decisions that I was making. Yeah. Um, but I was just so, um, just so engulfed in this like worldly selfish life that I just didn't, I didn't want to give that up. Yeah. Okay. So just for context at this point, you, if somebody were to come up to you and talk to you about Jesus, you'd be like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Um, in fact, um, you were here the night that, that the choir was rehearsing he lives and you're like oh wow what a really cool song and I bet half of the people here were like oh that takes me back that takes me back to my childhood whereas you that you have no context of an old hymn or even just the the things that somebody growing up in church would take take for granted yeah okay now you on the other hand you you are in this place where you're you're married now, you've walked away from the Lord, you've walked away from the church. Talk a little bit about where you were. Yeah, I, I ran more than walked away from the church. Um, it, was, it was a sudden departure. Um, I, I really didn't wanna have anything to do with the church, with God, with Jesus. I didn't wanna hear about it. Uh, I didn't want to uh, experience anything. I, I just wanted to live my life. Uh, but then we got into this situation, and uh, there was what Nicole said. There was a desperation in me um, to, to, to fix this problem somehow. And so I called my sister, uh, who is a psychology major, was a psychology major. Um, and uh, I, I talked to her about this uh, this past week. The funny thing is we both remember exactly where we were when we had this conversation. Um, but I, I went to her uh, because I was looking for some counseling. I said, uh, you know, I, I, here's the situation. Uh, I don't know what to do. Please help me. And she said, you both need Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, what were you wanting to hear? Not that, well, right? No, I, I, I wanted, a, I wanted a, like a self-help book or some kind of meditation or something that I could do. Some Zen uh, stuff. Some Take Zen a walk. stuff. Some, something, something from, you know, the world of psychology. And, and her, her, her offering to me was, you, know, you both need Jesus. Uh, so, you know, at that time, I was, I was not prepared to hear that. And, and she said, even as we talked about it, that she, she knew that I wasn't receiving it at the time. But that was my first uh, reintroduction uh, into salvation. Mm. Yeah. You both need Jesus. Yeah. Um, so what did, what, what was your response to that? Well, he didn't tell me at the time. Okay. I, I never heard this story until <laughs> um, years later, like after, um, you know, Jesus changed our life and 
you know, things just look different. Um, but it's interesting, like, reflecting back on that. And, you know, you talked about all of these regrets. And I think it's really easy to live in, like, when you think back. And, like, for me personally, when I think back on this specific season, it's really easy to just live in shame and mm -hmm. regret and, like, you know, what it the years that we've missed out on, like, having having Jesus in our life, it's just really easy to do that. Um, but I just, um, like, I just have to believe that, like, God's redemption in our life, and I think us even walking through that season, like, our marriage and our story is stronger now mm, yeah. than it was then. And I think that there are... Um, a lady came up to me after first service and she was like this this is my story wow. like my husband and I have lived this way for 14 years mm. and she said I made a choice to change and he doesn't and so she says we've been separated for months now and wow. she was just in desperation um and so I just like you know processing through that and like we were talking through just the aspects of this story that I think there's a lot of people who are sitting in the place of your sister who, man, you know the goodness of God, you know God's redemption, um, you see the brokenness in people and like you know the answer. And, you know, I think the encouragement there is to like just keep praying for them, just keep pleading on their behalf. And I think there are people that are, we're in your place of, um, man, maybe having some kind of idea of what, um, what the answer is, but just in that desperate place of like, I know something needs to change, but I don't know how to step forward. And then I just really believe that there are people in this room who were sitting where I was and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know the Lord. You, you've never like, you, you just are not walking in that. And I just think the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he's the answer in all of those situations. Yes. Like we, we just all need Jesus. Mm, right. And, and I'll say that, you know, from, from my perspective, uh, as the person who was running away, um, the, the really cool thing that I discovered is that uh, no matter how fast you run away from God, uh, no matter how far you run away from God, all you have to do is turn around and he's right there. He doesn't have to run after you. He doesn't have to catch up to you. He's there. So if, if you need him, Turn around, he's there. Yeah, do you believe that, Waymaker Church? Do you believe that he's right there? Yeah. I think that's, listen, I think that's every person here, your story. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you became a believer at three years old in, in, the, in you know, junior church. There's still a moment in your life where you just, you, you fell away. Um, you were afraid, you were ashamed, and you, you carried regret, and Jesus was right there to say, hey, I died and I rose from the dead for that. I died and I rose from the dead for that. And, and there, you know, <laughs> there's a new mission on your life. You know, here you are almost a decade later, right? And, and your life looks different. Your family looks different today. Um, what's, a, what's a final thing you, you would wanna say to somebody who may be sitting where you were uh, 10 years ago? I just, um, I was thinking about this in between services there. Um, there was just, 
in that whole season of my life, there was just this um, emptiness that I felt um, that I really tried to fill with the things of this world. Um, I thought that all of these things would um, make me happy, you know, um, and, you know, it got to a point in my life where it, it just wasn't, none yeah. of it was working. Yeah. And I think the moment that I surrendered my life to Jesus is really when everything changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is interesting because I've, I've got to observe your life and your marriage. It hasn't gotten easier right? No, not at all. <laughs> and I think that's the thing that we have to let people know is that Jesus doesn't invite us into a life of ease. He invites us into a life of great conviction, great purpose, of great transformation, and ultimately eternity with God. While we're here, while we're here, we're going to keep walking through growth and transformation and the mission that Jesus has us on. But it is worth it. Yeah. It is worth it. I mean, for me, like my, my three daughters are all sitting in the front row here today. And it's like their, their lives are going to look different as they grow up than, than what mine was. Generations are shifting. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to just have you stand right now. We're going to... We're going to close right now in song. And um, I, I just want to talk to, to just some, some people here today. Uh, some of you today, you, you, you believe and follow Jesus and today's Resurrection Sunday for you. And man, you're fired up. You're just fired up about the whole thing. Um, today may be the day though, you take the Lord's Supper and you just, you take you and your family and you go, and you go to one of these response stations and you just, you together take the body and the blood of Christ through the bread and the wine. And I just wanna invite you to do that. Uh, for some of you though, uh, today is, is a day for you to make the exchange. Make the exchange. You, you, you have for the last few seasons of your life carried around heavy regrets. And maybe you believe and follow Jesus just like Peter did but you still, you still are carrying this around and you're not living in freedom. You're not living, as Jesus said, with a light burden. He said, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And you're not living in the freedom of that. And, and today is the day that you just need to exchange that. And maybe you're like me when I was 17 years old and you need to come down here and you need to let this church get around you. And I wanna invite you to do that. This is, this is a church where nobody prays alone. But I believe there are some people here today, today is the day that you exchange all of your doubt, all of your disillusionment that has seemed so insurmountable. You, 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 it, it, it may still be there lingering a little bit, but now your need for salvation and redemption is absolutely unavoidable and you need Jesus and you know it. And if that's you, I wanna help you declare that. And so I'm gonna ask everybody right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you don't have anywhere to be, just stay right here. Just stay right here. Just it, 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 right here. 
and, and just pray for people in the room who are getting ready to make an eternal decision in their life. Not only is this gonna affect their attorney, but it's gonna affect generations right here and right now, just as Travis and Nicole said. So if that's you, I, I just, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna recite a, a prayer and it's just a prayer that, that is nothing magical about it. It is a declaration that's already in your heart and mind and I'm just giving words to it. And you can say it however you want to say it, but Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Just start right there. I, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I know that I break things in my life and other people's lives. And I know that I've rebelled against God. I know I'm a sinner. Just admit that right now. And that's, that's, that's the beginning of repentance. But I know you are the savior. And in that statement, in that statement by saying that Jesus is the savior, that proclamation, the Bible says that salvation has come to your house, to you. I am not the savior. My, my family's not the savior. These idols in my life aren't the savior. My addiction isn't my savior. My, my, my fill in the blank. It, it, it's, it's you, Jesus, on a cross who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now, come into my life. Come into my life. Jesus has already invited you into new life in Him. And now you are inviting Jesus to be the authority, the ruler of your life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Just make that declaration. Jesus, I'm gonna go through a lot of things. I'm gonna go through a lot of seasons, but I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house, say it with me. Say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you made that declaration today, you're part of the family of God. You are part of the eternal family of God right now and forever. And if you prayed that, I want you to just raise your hand boldly right now. Just raise your hand. Just say, today's the day. Today is the day. Yeah, come on. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Today is the day. Anybody else? Anybody, today, you, you just said, today, I, I, I'm done trying to save myself. I, I've tried it all. I've tried it all. Today, I need Jesus. And today, I walked into eternity. And I walked into his family right now. Wow. Waymaker Church, we're going to sing this final song. And I just want you to know that the front of this stage is sort of like an altar. It's a, it's a place where you give up some things. And maybe today you just need to give up some things. Maybe, uh, maybe today you need healing. Maybe like me, there's a, a connection regret that you have that you've been carrying around and, and you need healing emotionally and relationally. Maybe you need physical healing. Well, there's somebody here today who has been filled with the Spirit of God who's been appointed and anointed today to pray healing over you. And so do not let the fear of man or what people might think, just walk down here and, and, and start to pray. And that person 
led by the Holy Spirit, will come and pray with you. Maybe today you just need a declaration. Maybe today you just need to come down here and just say, my marriage, my marriage is falling apart and I need Jesus. And you just take the hand of your spouse and maybe it's the first time you've held hands in a long time. And you just walk down here and this church is gonna get around you. I'm gonna promise you this. The person who prays for you today may have been prayed over last week. That's the kind of church that we are. Come to the altar, Waymaker Church. Come to the altar. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thank you to those who give to Waymaker Church. It is because of you that our ministry is possible. Visit waymaker.church to give now. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can also share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Now go make a way.